This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, I'll be speaking with leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. My guests this week are interior designer Beata Heyman and her husband, John Finley, the managing director of her company. Raised on a small farm in her native Sweden, Beata moved to London in her 20s and learned the trade working for celebrity designer Nikki Haslam. Once out on her own, she quickly became known for exuberant colors and a playful, nostalgic approach to design. After the product side of Bayada's business took off, John left behind a corporate law career to help run the brand. I spoke with the two of them about opening up a showroom in a historic London building, working together as a married couple, and why mischief is the secret ingredient in Bayada's work. This podcast is sponsored by Universal Furniture. The new Coastal Living Home Collection, Weekender, is a breath of fresh air for interior design enthusiasts. This stunning collection seamlessly blends the relaxed charm of coastal living with a touch of contemporary elegance. With warm woods, time-worn finishes, an abundance of rattan and soft boucle, a sea of blues and soft whites, and a touch of acrylic that lends the modern feel, the Weekender Collection transports you to a serene retreat without leaving the comfort of your home. Whether you're looking for a laid-back vibe or a more polished aesthetic, Weekender offers a versatile range of furniture options to help you create a space that reflects your personal style. Now available at universalfurniture.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Hooker Furnishings. Hooker Furnishings knows a thing or two about quality furniture and intentional design. For 99 years, the company has offered innovative, on-trend products that span across a multitude of design styles and price points, and is dedicated to designing, manufacturing, and delivering furniture your clients are sure to fall in love with. From upholstery furniture in premium leather or fabric, to case goods, lighting, and decor, Hooker Furnishings genuinely offers something for everyone, residential, hospitality, and contract projects. Visit hookerfurniture.com to learn more. And now, on with the show. I want to tell listeners up top that we have two guests, and John, we're going to come to you eventually. <laughs> it's going to feel <laughs> like we're not including you for a while as we talk right. to Beata about her childhood and growing up on the farm, but we know you're there. And we're coming okay. to you, okay? So, so get ready. I'm ready. My mother has a as a sort of metaphor that she uses for couples to describe them, and she says, you know, you have one person who's the frame, and one person who's the picture. And in our relationship, Beata is definitely the picture, and I'm just the frame. <laughs> you know. Well, I I long felt that way about my own marriage, John. So I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I understand. Um, yeah. And we we are going to come to you soon. But so, Bayada, yeah. I want to introduce you to listeners because so many people have admired your work, but might not really know everything about you. And 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 so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, where where you grew up and and the early years. And yes, yeah, so I grew up in the country on in Sweden on a farm in the south. And I have I'm one of four siblings and lived there until I was about 16 when I went to boarding school just outside Stockholm. But quite sort of isolated place combined with the fact that my parents 
to refuse to ever drive me or pick me up from from anywhere so I just <laughs> was pretty stuck at the farm but um, it was you know in many ways pretty idyllic um, and above all I had to learn how to keep myself entertained in different ways I think that's really formed the basis of my creativity was I did a lot of reading um, you know spend many days uh, hours years uh, working on my doll's house which was my you know that was my favorite thing decking that out and doing the design I used to rearrange my room if I got bored and um, with hindsight even though interior design was not something I was considering as a profession um, back then I was kind of gearing towards that and I've always been very interested in home and you know creating an atmosphere or a feeling um, also remember even when I was I think I was younger than 10 I would see beautiful pieces of furniture when we went to visit family friends I would always start drawing them and you know I, I was really into my surroundings from an early age. And when Beata did get to go and see some friends you know she was particularly curious and um, one of the mothers um, of uh, uh, one of her friends gave her a nickname of, of the cupboard opener because Beata would go around to their house and sort of make her way upstairs, opening their doors into their bedrooms and start snooping in their cupboards. I so love that. A she. woman after my own heart. Tell I me mean, more. You can, you can tell so much about a person, like, you know, opening yes. their cupboards. I must admit to sometimes when I, you know, used to, when I powder my nose, uh, I sometimes still open <laughs> bathroom cabinets and, you know, take a little little sneak Who peek to see what's right. going on Take in a there. little inventory of what uh, medications might be. Yeah, sure, exactly. whatever's going on in there. You know, yeah. now now I get paid to snoop around people's homes, so it's kind of perfect. <laughs> and and is that what you say? No, 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 I'm a professional, please. I'm opening yeah. your medicine cabinet as a professional. Yeah. This is not... Perhaps not the medicine cabinet, but the wardrobe I normally do right. in front of them, just yes. just to see, t- check the temp, get a temperature check on what's going on in there. <laughs> to, to, to get a sense of just how challenging this project is exactly. really going to be. Yeah. So we grow up on the remote farm in Sweden, beautiful as it was, somewhat isolating, but yeah. we, but we, and and Survive. you eventually, you survive. Yeah, it was it was incredible. We have a house there now. I mean, it's something I've been wanting to do since since I left, which was 20 years ago. So I spent half my life sort of not living in Sweden. But ever since we got married um, nine years ago, I've been asking for our own house on the farm. And since three summers back, we now got our own place. It's such a big part of who I am, and I'm I'm so happy there. And it's been great to kind of reconnect and show our two little girls um, the farm and just it's a different piece of life so it's a it's a huge part of who i am and i i love going there i should say you were you were suggesting earlier that it made an impact on you in terms of of your aesthetic and and how you how you view design it's it seems like yeah absolutely i mean well, a i think it sort of taught me how to be creative in a way and sort of think of things and uh not necessarily by going places but just sort of within my own little world. Um, so that was, you know, and it was, I think actually reading as much as I did is, has also really mm. helped. I mean, I'm very interested in, of course, interiors are about design and, and the rooms and things, but it's also a lot about psychology and people. Um, and, and what were you reading? What were you, what were you drawn to in, in, in your, in your reading? 
Um, I, I mean, to begin with a lot of sort of Swedish uh, books, there's a, I mean, anything really that I could get my hands on, um, it might not mean so much to, to you, but um, there were, was an author called Barbro Lindgren, who I really loved, and um, sort of quite serious stories, like it's, it's all quite, um, uh, there's a sort of melancholy, I think, to um, Swedish literature for children that you don't really get so much in other countries. Um, and then when I was sort of late teens, I started to reading in early 20s, I I read quite a lot of Russian classics. I actually studied mm. literature for a year at university. Um, and I, I still read as, as much as I can. It's a bit less because you know, it's busy and children and so sure. forth, but uh, I, I still yeah. read a lot. But mostly older books though. I, I feel it's sort of better if they're at least 100 years old because then they must be quite good <laughs> if they're still around. <laughs> if um, they've stood that test of time. Exactly. I was just, I was curious and, and interested and my my wife was a was a children's librarian originally oh, really? in her life, and uh, and I, she's always told me that uh, Swedish children's stories were were a little heavier or a little darker. Oh, really? Or, Interesting. Yeah. It's just sort of like hollow-eyed, pale children who've been <laughs> abandoned by their parents, and you know, what, their their only sibling have died, and you know, that's the general gist. <laughs> And I hope that that didn't paint your image of what the world was going to be waiting for you. I don't think so. I'm pretty <laughs> okay. half glass full. Okay. Uh, yeah, I do. I must say, I think uh, I think a lot about um, death, though. I mean, I was John was shocked the other day when I admitted to him that I probably think about the fact that I will die about thirty times a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about thirty um, times a day. My yeah, goodness. I think <laughs> I'm still uh, shocked. Perhaps, yes. having not realized it before, but perhaps these stories I read as a child, maybe that's why I think about it so much. But it makes me appreciate life. Um, I, it's not necessarily in a negative way. It's more I think about that I need to make the most of, of each day and, and appreciate that I'm alive, you know? So you're you're conscious of your mortality and, you, yeah. and it, it comes Very to you so. throughout the day. Yeah, it does. <laughs> 30 times <laughs> a day. 30 times a day. Well, so I mean, not to not, not to harp on this, but do you do you say to yourself, "Oh, I better enjoy myself because tomorrow Yeah, exactly. I mean, is it that sort of thing? It's that sort of thing. I think I'm very much okay. a glass half full kind of person and I'm pretty uh, And also 30 <laughs> times a day. <laughs> think about I'm dying. conscious of my mortality. Right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Tell so you go off to boarding school. Yeah. And right? And so so take yes. me there. So that then means that I'm surrounded by lots of young people. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of 16. And so this is the last three years of school, which is 16 to 19 in Sweden. Uh, it was close to Stockholm. So, you know, sometimes on weekends, we could go into town where um, my brother was studying there. So we'd go and stay with him in the flat and we'd, you know, go out on the town and which was uh, really fun. I'm quite a social person and, and I love people. I love having fun uh, and, uh, you know, parties and stuff like that still do. Um, and that was great. Um, and then after I uh, finished school, I went to live in Florence, where my older sister went to art school. Um, and that art school had a lot of English students and um, I became friends with them and really I realized what an, I sort of had spent some time in England. I did a, you know, a month in England when I was 14 on a sort of language course. Um, and you know, since that time, I 
fell in love with the English. I'm a real Anglophile. I love speaking English and I just like the English culture. I mean, I think particularly then when I went to Florence and, you know, the bohemian arty types that I met that were so different from my, you know, pretty conservative Swedish friends. Um, <laughs> uh, it just felt, you know, so exciting and so different and cool. And I also think England and particularly London maybe is a place where eccentricity is celebrated and so is individuality, whereas in Sweden it's you know, I'm generalizing a bit, but particularly at that time and maybe sort of my group of friends, they, it was more about fit, fitting in. And, and I also think there's something to be said for not um, leaving the place where you grow up um, and sort of not necessarily reinventing yourself, but get like another chance to to see what kind of person you are and try different things without any preconceived ideas around who you might be. Um, so all of those things made it you know, incredibly exciting moving to London. So I did, and really by chance, um, talk to someone um, who happened to know Nicky Haslam. Um, and that person suggested I meet with him. Uh, I mean, I had no idea who he was. I, I didn't know anything about <laughs> the interior design uh, industry. But uh, I, I met with him and I went for sort of a little interview and uh, he said he'd get back to me. And a few days later, he called me um, uh, and uh, said if I, you know, I wanted a job as a kind of receptionist at his office, uh, I could have it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I went in and I started working closely with uh, someone called Colette Van den Tillart, um, who sure. uh, was She's sort of great. my... Yeah, she's amazing. She's still one of my best friends. And yeah, I was her assistant and she took me under her wing, as did Nikki, and just sort of taught me everything, really. I mean, I having been interested in, you know, furniture and interiors, and I had no idea about the history of design. And it was such an education in, you know, the big designers of the, you know, of the 20th century, mainly. He's got this amazing library that he would constantly draw inspiration from and you know show me books and and we also did a lot of um bespoke designs there so you know we had furniture made we had patterns made for fabrics and so in the nine years that I spent there I became very confident uh, and not scared of um designing things bespoke um and that very much influences what how we work now too and aside from that Nikki was so generous and so welcoming he would always bring me along to dinners and he took me to see Kismet because he thought I'd like that and once <laughs> I had dinner at the Wolseley with Mick Jagger which was a lot of fun and wow. you know, stuff like that would happen all the time um, being driven around by his long-suffering chauffeur Nash who was amazing <laughs> around around town with Nikki uh, and yeah it was you know had so much fun um, it was really really an amazing time well and for and for people in the U.S. who aren't familiar or perhaps aren't overly familiar with Nikki Haslam he's a celebrity in and of himself in the in the UK and uh, and this and this highly accomplished uh, sort of legendary designer and he 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 travels in a in a pretty swanky circle. Yeah, and he's, I mean he's also what I also maybe personally love about him is that he's very contrary and he always you know says the opposite of what you might think like you know what you expect him to say uh, and he loves doing that so he's sort of he's a maverick uh, you know 
incredibly mischievous and this never a dull moment and you you never know quite what to expect um he would do stuff like um we were doing this huge house on on king's road uh, in chelsea it was one of the first projects i worked on and we needed some sort of pat we had this amazing leather embossed um sort of gilver panels from paris above the data rail and below we needed something else and we were thinking what to put there and then he just saw this sort of rough red sandpaper lying around that the builders had sort of you know some scraps from the builders and he decided that we should just put that below the, the data <laughs> rail um and then just see whether our clients sort of would take it or not um <laughs> it's almost like a game of chicken but uh it was really cool and we stuck with it <laughs> Another time we did a project in, in Moscow and we had this vitrine uh, to display, you know, fine china and, and such. And he thought that the shelves looked a little dull. So he took these sort of bin bags, that the bit, kind of woven green build ba- bin bags that the builders had on site to just chuck the okay. stuff in. Uh, and he lined all the, he got an upholsterer to line all the shelves in the bin bag. But at that <laughs> point, the client was like... I know what that is and get rid of it. So it didn't work that time. <laughs> but it looks amazing. Well, it, it's interesting you use the word uh, mischievous to, to describe Nikki and, and uh, John has used that word in the past to describe you a, as well. And so I, I wonder, d- did you pick up on that on that character trait of, of, of Nikki's and, and bring that along? Or was that always part of who who you were as well and perhaps what you appreciated in, in, um, in I, I think it was always, it's sort of, yeah, I think it's part of my DNA. <laughs> but um, it was great to see. So I think that's also why I, you know, loved working with him so much to see how that could be applied in, in interiors. And I think that's something that perhaps is changing a bit now. But at that time, not that many people did that um so that was really great for me to see someone use it with such confidence and it was inspiring to me and and you know yeah I learned a lot from that um yeah so and and what made you almost 10 years you were you were yeah. there what what made you feel that it was that it was time to move on that you wanted to go out on your, um, on your own so i think i think so i basically spent my entire 20s working there and then as I was turning 30, pretty much, um, I all of a sudden, some, you know, a few people asked me if I would consider doing their house for them. And then I, I realized that I could possibly maybe do it on my own. And I also felt like I had kind of got to where I could at Nikki's. It had been amazing, but I'm quite sort of, I, I like growing and, and learning and, and sort of doing new things. And I was also really interested to see what it would be like if I was in control myself over, you know, how things looked. I always got to be very involved and, and stuff like that, but it was obviously under someone else's name. It's it's different. Um, so I basically got quite a big project um, and uh, knew that I would be okay for a year. So at that point, I, uh, I handed in my notice. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, which was really hard, actually. I, I'm sure sort of shaking and crying and <laughs> uh, but he was he was very sweet about it and has been very supportive ever since so you go out on your own and you have this project that you know okay at least i've you know i've got enough money coming in for for a year yeah and i assume it it went well and and yes. when did you finally 
start to get, get your get your feet under you a little bit? I mean, they were amazing clients. I was so lucky to get them because I hadn't done anything on my own and uh, they really trusted me and they also wanted to do something a bit different. Um, and then they let me publish it as well. Um, so House and Garden put that on their cover. And I think from that point onwards, um, it sort of just very organically happened that, you know, I people would just contact me because they'd seen our work firstly in House and Garden and then we were published in other places too. And, you know, we just, you know, steadily, we haven't been rushing. I've always... Um, you were mindful about being being selective about the kinds maybe of Maybe not the first know. couple of years I did some... Uh, yeah, <laughs> I said yes to just kind of a- anyone. Uh, as you have to, as you have yeah. to when you're getting started, right? But sure. I quick, I mean, it's a quite quick, uh, I learned quite quickly and uh, yeah, saw um, that, you know, you need to sort of have a bit of ice in your tummy, as you say in Sweden, and uh, just wait for the right thing uh, because it's just a bit nightmarish when you get stuck in these things that take a very long time um, that you don't really want to do. Now it's uh, we had the product side of the business as well, which allows me to 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 still you know have that approach, which is great. Um, if we didn't have that, then it'd be harder for me to sort of yeah to be so selective, basically. We're taking a quick break from the show to let designers know about HF Collective, Hooker Furnishings' premium trade membership program. For just $99 a year, designers obtain access to designer pricing, exclusive invitations, collaboration opportunities, free swatch and finish samples, and a dedicated sales rep to help you take your client's project to the next level. No matter the budget or design style, Hooker Furnishings and its many designer-friendly brands are sure to have furniture that works for you and your project. Sign up today at hookerfurniture.com slash newcustomer. And now, back to the show. So, John, let's use that as an opportunity to bring you into the conversation. And and, and let's tell listeners, first of all, uh, what you were doing before you, you, you joined the, the firm a few years back. Tell us, tell us what you were up to. I was a lawyer by trade before. So firstly, um, at a sort of big international law firm, which I didn't love at all. Um, mm. I was always quite keen to move across into into a sort of business focused role. And as soon as I got experienced enough to do that, I did. Um, I moved in-house to a company called Fevertree, a sort of beverage mixer company, um, quite big in the States now. Uh, mm. And I was their general counsel. Um, and it was a, a fantastic job. Um, really uh, very smart, sort of inspiring people I was working with um, and a very varied role. I learned a huge amount. Um, you know, it was paying pretty well. Um, so I was, I was really, really happy there um, and and certainly not looking to move anytime soon. But meanwhile, you know, Beata's business was doing extremely well, um, you know, and year by year, it was just getting stronger and stronger. And, um, you know, we talk about it all the time. Um, as you'd expect, sort of being married. Uh, and, you know, I can't remember, I mean, years ago, we sort of said, oh, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't it be great if I, you know, came and joined? And it was, I guess, at that stage, sort of more of a sort of abstract idea. And then it got a bit more serious when, you know, it started getting better and better. And eventually sort of it got to the stage where we said, well, you know, okay, if the, if the revenue on the shop bit gets to, to X, then then I can probably do it. I can, you know, we can afford it. I can, I can hand in my notice and I'll, I'll move across. Um, and, 
in in March 2021, um, Beata released a book called Every Room Should Sing um, with Rizzoli. I mean, it was a it was a huge success. I think it was Rizzoli's you know, biggest interiors title of the year. And I mean, almost overnight, um, you suddenly just saw this huge reaction, and you know, you could just see the shop, you know, just boom. Um, and it was came very very clear that that target we'd set on the revenue was about to be sort of broken through extremely quickly and so i had to put my money where my mouth was and, and actually the following <laughs> month you know in april um uh you know a little earlier than i'd anticipated uh, i had to hand in my notice at fever tree so um i did that and um i had a six month notice period to work out which was uh quite long but by by october <laughs> i was i was there and, and and it's been two years now almost to the day so let's uh, let's let's tell listeners what the product side of the business is, and uh, and and it's amazing that it grew at at one point to suddenly become bigger than the interior design business. It sounds like, and and so let's talk about what we think led to that. I mean, so Beata, I mean, she's just just been talking about the first project she did, um, which was with these wonderful clients um, who are still very good friends to this day, and. Um, in that project, she created a marbleized velvet for for a sofa that went in their bedroom. It was a very beautiful fabric. Um, you know, people were asking where it was from, and um, you know, so we, I think she got sort of ten meters of it made, and you know, were cutting it herself in the studio and sending out sort of meters here and there. Yeah, it was just sort of one roll, like leaning up against the wall in the in the studio um, that we just had to roll, cut and roll up ourselves. And ten meters felt like a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know. Now we're ordering thousands of that stuff. It's sort of our big, it's our, that's our biggest seller. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's sort of your signature, right? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it really grew very organically. I mean, it was there from the very beginning and it was just one product at a time. You know, it started off with marbleized velvet and then she made a marbleized wallpaper, which did really well. And then, you know, this dodo egg lantern, which is also, you know, one of the favorite pieces. And uh, it just grew very steadily and slowly. And I think, you know, we're fortunate that Instagram was sort of taking off at about the same time and, and she was building this audience. And, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was too difficult to sort of put a product out there and, you know, see how it was received. And um, it, it's, it's steadily sort of grown interaction since then yeah we, we've talked in the past Bayata, about trying to and and maybe we'll we'll have john jump in with this too because i know it's hard for you to articulate your your look your what so many people just had such a strong reaction and and the book as we were saying not surprisingly led to even more sales because people got to see even more of your of your work and it it just seemed to resonate with so many people it was it was different it was fresh it was it it seemed to be playful and colorful and 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 joyful all these different things that we've tried to to words that we've used to try and describe it and and John what it, what do you think it is about Beata's style or approach or or her design sensibility what 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 is it that you think resonates with so many people in the way it does um we talked a little bit about um you know her sense of mischief and i think that is true there's there's a sort of hint mm-hmm. of irreverence sometimes in the work she does she's searching for fun and finding fun and things and it's not pretentious it feels quite sort of welcoming it feels quite livable and lived in and inviting and and sort of positive and i, I think it people feel uh, an emotional connection to it. I think there's an openness to her design um, that, that allows people to get there kind of quicker than maybe some other people. It feels more accessible. Um, it's very much a sort of, 
you know who Beata is and it's part of her her voice as well and the way that she sort of writes as well in her Instagram and in her book as well so I think I think it's that it's that it's, it resonates I think people it's feel an emotional connection to it relatively easily a friend of ours Sophie Donaldson uh, wrote a book Uncommon Kitchens and part of her inspiration part of what sort of got her pursuing that whole area of interest was your work Beata um, oh, really? among yeah um, um, you know among others but she she loved this the way that it it didn't feel cookie cutter it didn't feel this standard classic here's what this room needs to to look like it felt much warmer and personal and uh, and so I guess that's what I was trying to put my finger on and and understand better how you think about it. I mean, I think it's all about sort of, there's always a balance to be struck between these things. It's, you know, doing something a, a little sort of over the top, but then combined with something where you exercise a bit more restraint. Um, one thing that I, I don't want it to ever look sort of flashy or, you know, extremely expensive. So that's maybe something that differentiates me from some, you know, some other designers uh, that I work on high-end interiors. I, I want it to be relatable, I guess, because I think... It's uh, going to cost lots of money, but I don't want it to look like it costs No, much. I mean, it's not, it's obviously not uh, cheap. Uh, I mean, I often even put, I mean, I'm being Swedish, I'm a big fan of Ikea. So I, you know, often mm. I quite like adding something from Ikea just to sort of ground the whole thing. I can also get really excited about, we did this amazing project that hasn't been published yet in uh, Manhattan. And we did this like utopian marketry bar so I mean I can also go there it's not uh, <laughs> like I, I can't uh, I mean another thing I really think about you know making it look as if it's been lived in for like a couple of generations um, that it's it's been built over time even though we put it together you know in a couple of years and just sort of adding in different layers and I mean so like in, in that project I just mentioned you know we'll have a, a like Electrolux, you know, vintage cooker from the 40s. And uh, <laughs> then we'll have something like we have this kind of 70s uh, kind of like room in the basement with a big disco ball, which, you know, feels a bit Love later. I can't, and, I can't wait to see this project. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about <laughs> it. And, um, but, but it takes a lot of time. So, I mean, just thinking about how you add that kind of depth. And uh, I if, if it's just sort of one look and if this is sort of formulaic like you know everything was bought in 2010 like it looks very dated quickly so I mean so, so perhaps I mean obviously lots of designers mix the styles and stuff like that but I really sit down and spend a lot of time thinking about how to create something that feels layered that has high and low um, and I think that's a bit true to human nature and I also think we feel more relaxed and happier when our environment uh, is varied and we all need change. We all, you know, my clients will buy other things after I'm done. So then creating a fold that can take being added to, that can take looking messy. And then I think you do that by allowing all these different things to be there at the same time, if that makes sense. So I don't know, perhaps that also makes it a bit more relatable or like maybe it might speak to people because it feels hopefully natural and, you know, true to human nature. And then, 
uh, yeah, I, I also really, you know, like having if you know, having your best day or, you know, enjoying yourself and, and having a, a fun time and, and feeling inspired by your home, not just sort of comfortable and not just beautiful, but actually things that are vivid and, you know, give, give you energy, uh, which I think, mm. I guess, mostly you see that, we see that in color combinations and, and stuff like that. It's quite sort of energizing. I, oh, that's what I try and do. Uh, no, 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 it, it, exactly. And it's, and it's so curious to me that in America, this this gray beigey look is so is so popular our our big american furniture chain that's just come over to the to the uk rh you know they have this very <laughs> they have this very signature look they're they're lonely there at, at in rh england by the way if you could get up there that would be great because yeah. it, you know they sound sounds like they need some some people dropping by but yeah. it's but it but it's curious <laughs> that that look is uh you know and and your your look is 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 so the antithesis of of that yeah i mean i'm interested in the personal and like you know individuality and you know that is what is um yeah interesting to me um like billy baldwin said you know nothing's interesting unless it's personal which i must agree with but you know then that's me and that's my personality some people are reassured by the you know calm and the, the calmness and the, and the cleanness and, and perhaps also not having to make choices and that it's i mean to me that's such a you know it's a bit of a lost opportunity to express yourself but that's because that's all i ever want to do but but for some people um you know they, <laughs> they just you know they want to just do the right thing and have something that's you know calm and comfortable and that works and then not have to think about it they probably have far more you know serious pursuits that uh is <laughs> maybe bring <laughs> better things to the world than what i do but um i don't know yeah it's different from it's a very different to my approach i think people people under estimate and, and underappreciate how how much a well-designed space. I was I was talking with a, a renowned American designer, uh, Anthony Barada, recently. He had a famous firm, Diamond Barada, and he and his partner, you know, at the time, were considered very out there and lots of color and lots of layers. But he talked about years later, people coming to him and saying, you know, I grew up in one of the spaces that you created, and it was just such a happy space that it made them happy people. It, I mean, it turned out the experiment really worked that yes, yeah. it really does change how you feel. And, and, and it really, and of course, I, I, I believe this so wholeheartedly. No, I mean, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's even a problem for me to, you know, we want to go and maybe spend a weekend somewhere and perhaps rent a house and in the country. And, but like the interiors are so ugly. I can't find anywhere that I could, I mean, like the whole weekend <laughs> will be ruined unless it's sort of aesthetically pleasing. It's actually a real problem. I can't go anywhere else. <laughs> She she can't leave the house because <laughs> none of the places that are available are to her standards. I mean, someone gave me this tip. I can't remember who it was now. Uh, I think it was maybe Simon Upton. We did a shoot this summer. And he said that uh, a friend of his uh, just brought like, you know, a whole stack of antique French linen that she would just sort of throw on all the upholstery and sofas and armchairs. <laughs> and, you know... <laughs> You just cover the whole thing up, and then you might be able to somehow relax. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. 
I think that's wonderful. That is brilliant. But I but a huge opportunity for you and and we should figure that out which which brings us back John to the business. Now let's get serious because John has <laughs> left his big law career to come and uh and and be part of this business. So let's talk about where this business is is going. So we we've we've talked about some of the product that that seemed to really resonate with people and a lot of it you've been making yourself working with artisans to have made i don't think you've done a lot of big licensing yet and and sometimes there's the trade off of uh giving up some of the control giving up some of the the look and and feel and i know we've talked about that in the in the past but how do you imagine growing the growing the business what 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 do you think you want the business to be to become because again it's it's got to support uh, two people in the family now <laughs> so let's uh, chop chop we got to make this work i mean Biash and i talk about this endlessly and it's a sort of big question i mean what do you want the business to be um and there's lots of different ways of coming at it i think at its at its very very simplest what we want to do is create a cool brand that we're proud of um and you know Biash has done a really fantastic job doing that you know she's through her projects and her interiors um you know, she, you know, so accessible and and um, people have found interesting through the, the products that people seem to really emotionally connect to and and prize um you know we've, we've built this brand which we which we really love and um so i think first and foremost you know we've just got to you know we've got to keep you know, evolving um innovating and, and trying to do interesting things and uh and, and if we do that you know hopefully the rest kind of takes care of itself um, the other thing that we've been really focusing on um, in in recent months is is our team, and we're really trying to create a fantastic team culture here. Um, we've got a, you know a close knit team of 14 people now. We don't want to be huge, so it's just working out what we can do with that resource and and how we can create the best environment to work in. We've we've we recently moved into this lovely building, um, sort of Grade Two listed townhouse in in yes. London, um, which we've we spent a year and a half renovating, um, and it's now a, a really inspiring, wonderful place to work. Uh, you know, and I think you know if we we had to spend a lot of you know effort and and frankly money doing it. Um, you know, we we're fortunate we don't have investors. We have the flexibility to do what we want. Um, but we're here now, and we're and it's. It's fantastic, and I think it's been great for the team. Uh, you know, and it has all these sort of uh, intangible benefits. Um, so it's been it's been wonderful. And it's also, we should say, a, a by appointment showroom. Yeah, exactly. So so it's it's also your office, but it's also a, a by appointment showroom, yeah. and it's it's part of the of the branding, if you will, of of, of the whole thing, right? Is yeah, for sure. Space. Yeah, and and it's um we opened it, we opened the doors um early this month um with an open day. And it's been it's been amazing. Uh, the response has been fantastic. We're having you know our, our best month of sales ever as well. So um, it's nice also. Is that right? Uh, nice, for, yeah, yeah. So it's it's good also to see that that, that might actually work. It might have been worth it um, because <laughs> you're right. We still do have to pay the bills. <laughs> We're taking a quick break from the show to remind you about Universal Furniture. Get ready to elevate your space with Universal's all-new Modern Collection, available for pre-order exclusively on their B2B storefront. This collection embraces a fusion of luxurious yet casual design elements, drawing inspiration from global styles and incorporating an array of materials featuring natural wood tones, warm stone finishes, cast aluminum accents, and soft metal finishes. 
By pre-ordering through their B2B storefront, you gain early access to this in-demand new collection. Shop now at universalfurniture.com slash newintroductions. And now, back to the show. I think it's admirable that you're that you're doing it all on your on your own and not taking on financing at this point, and that it's that, that it's grown organically uh, so much that you that you can afford to to take this on. And I wonder again from the from the product side, what you think are the are the next steps? Are, are I'm sure there are companies that are clamoring to work work with you, Bayada, that want to. Have you designed things for them? You know, it's great when it's the right fit. I think it's important to not overdo it. We've been, like, you know, very careful and consciously sort of not doing that because we want to establish what we're about ourselves first. Um, Hmm. But, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's got a lot of um, uh, pros to working with someone else that has, like, another skill set that you don't have uh, that we don't have in house, we, you know, we are quite ambitious, and perhaps sometimes we try and do a little bit too much. But you know, there's certain things where you know, even I have to draw a line. You know, I probably wouldn't start producing my own light switches. I would love to do a light switch collaboration, though. So I'm going to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> so put that out there, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, I know some. I know some companies. Great. Uh, when there's you know products like that that we just you know, you just need so much expertise that, that we don't have that then then there's a yeah. point to it, especially when you think there's like room in the market for some, you know, there's an opportunity to do something that hasn't been, been done before. So, and, and it's a lot easier for, for, you know, for lots of different reasons. It's definitely something that we are thinking about now. And we have a few things, uh, one particularly exciting one coming out next year, actually, which I, I can't say what it is yet. But um, so, so we, we will start doing a little bit more of that, but uh, only when it's a good fit and we're well aligned and that we both bring something into the collaboration that we couldn't do without each other. I think that's really, really key. I have always designed the products uh, because uh, I like the idea of doing something and, and I like a particular design and I can't find it. And that's basically the reason why I've added um, a certain product to the collection on the sort of strict instructions from John now to try and think about things a little bit more. Uh, uh, no more vanity projects for me, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> so it can't just be things that you want, but that uh, that you imagine a large market wanting. We've gone down a few rabbit holes recently where we're sort of developing a product that eventually we'd have to sell for £45,000, you know, in order right, exactly. to actually make a profit <laughs> on it. The, the problem is, you know, it comes down to, you know, margins and stuff like that. I mean, we only, we don't sell through anyone else. I don't, I don't think we ever will. I think it suits our brand better to... to you know, you just sell through our own channel. Uh, But that said, we also, we we make most things in the UK uh, and uh, we also wouldn't really have the margins. It would just get so ridiculously expensive. Uh, And I am keen to sort of keep it, the prices as as low as they possibly can be. I I know none of it is cheap, but uh, it would just get so expensive otherwise. So, I got some great ideas, but unfortunately, they would have to sell for a lot of money. So I'm not sure anyone would ever buy them. We'll see. Well, I mean, and that is the challenge. And I and I look on a lot of these sites where bespoke pieces are are, are made, and 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 there is this big movement of this furniture as art movement where where people seem to be 
willing to spend a great deal of money for individual product, but that seems like such a relatively small market. Yeah. And I don't think those are potentially not my, that's probably not my audience either, really. Mm. Uh, I mean, potentially it could be, but I don't know. It's pretty, pretty niche. Um, and I, I don't think it's what we're really about, but um but I mean, I think we have we're releasing a lot of new products now um, because of opening one at eight. There was a lot of you know types of furniture that we didn't have in the collection. Like we didn't have a dining table, and we didn't have a Swedish a, a fake Swedish stove, which obviously you must have. <laughs> uh, you must so have. We just simply yeah. had to add that to collection because how can you live without a you know replica Kakelung? <laughs> It's not possible. <laughs> Although that's one of those ones that's going to be quite expensive. We'll see if anyone ever buys it. Um, but uh, we are releasing a lot of new products, uh, which will sort of, if you come here to the showroom, you'll see them and you, and you can buy them now. But we'll also sort of more officially launch them throughout this coming year. So there's quite a lot uh, being released. I think we will probably, I mean, there's, there's no shortage of ideas uh, on, on my part, but I think we will probably sort of uh, do what we have now and, and see a little bit what happens. Because um, it's a big change behind the scenes, you know, just fulfilling the orders and, and, you know, making sure it all runs smoothly, which is, you know, John is doing a very good job at uh, heading up that side of the business. But, you know, it's not as simple as just adding, you know, 50 SKUs and things is all going to be fine. It's a big change, you know, growing the collection quickly like that. Um, so I have to be a bit aware of it. It was different in the beginning because I had 10 products, but now it's over 100 and you have to just think about it a bit more carefully and the repercussions. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. And, and, and as you say, it, it's such a different business than managing the day-to-day -day interior design yeah. firm. And, and, and that's, a, that's a wildly challenging business in and of itself. Yeah. And, right? And, and all that goes along with that. But then suddenly you also have to have this other business that is fulfilling product, sending things out. And producing as well, which is obviously the biggest thing, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, the production and, and yeah, the makers and yeah, keeping up with it all. <laughs> and, and I think Beata and I are conscious as well of, of not growing too much. I mean, in terms of the team, the headcount, I mean, I mm. think, I mean, I saw it when I was at Fever Tree, we, we grew whilst I was there for four years from, from 60 people when I joined to 350 when I left. And it was, it's a huge oh, growing wow. pain to go through. And, yeah. and I, I, I don't think we have the appetite at the moment anyway, to sort of really get to a big, big head count. So we're really sort of trying to sort of focus on, you know, what, what can we do with, with this resource, you know, that we've got, um, maybe adding one or two extra people and, and trying to sort of focus it in that way. Actually, I think it's 55% of our sales actually go to the U S so I think, you know, next time when we gathered our, you know, when it's taken a breath or two after this 188 um, project, I think sort of perhaps doing a bit more of a push in the States, I think would be a, a good next step for us um, because I, I think it sort of seems to resonate with our audience, but we haven't, you know, we haven't actively sort of really nurtured that, I, I guess. Uh, so I think it's quite, I think that would be something for the future that we both are thinking might be good do a bit more of a push in the states well this will be the first step this will yeah. be the first step in that push it getting this out there and it, and it is it is a potentially huge market for you yeah and the american market loves they love english design they love the story of oh a young designer grew up in sweden comes over to the uk and and uh, has this wonderful 
uh, adventurous and and mischievous design sensibility. And uh, so, I mean, it's 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 packaged and ready for the American market in a big way. Right. <laughs> it's it's such a big market that it's hard to you know, it's hard to know how best to to grow it and where to focus. Yeah. Um, and it and it you know it, it can swallow you up very very quickly. So it, it, it definitely, you know, it's... That sounds a bit ominous. Now I'm starting thinking about yeah, death again. Uh, well, I mean... No, I it, stopped it thinking just, about that I mean, for one minute. <laughs> she, was, she was happy there for a time. Yeah. And then... Eaten alive by America. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, but I mean, yeah. it is... Yeah, no, it, it's just... It, it's such an opportunity. And, and for you, Bayada, it's always a question of how do you scale you? Right. Yeah. So we know we know that the clients that come to you at the level of client that you have want you. They want your time and attention. And so you have to think about how can I how much time also, can I give to that? I mean, that's also why keeping the interior design side basically pretty small. Because I love I love mm. doing that. And it's I mean it's probably I also I mean I love designing the products, but I mean, you know, the interior design side is really, you know, it's you know, it's challenging, it's interesting, and you know, every project is a you know a new sort of opportunity. But that's why we sort of we only take on sort of depending a bit on the size, but it's not more than sort of four or five projects at any one time, like max. Um, and that's so that I can remain really involved, and that's what I really love doing. And the product side basically allows me to to do that. Um, so it, it feels like I have a I feel like I have a good balance, and I think the important thing is for the interior design side not to sort of become that much bigger basically and I don't think I really I don't want it to because then I think the quality might go down I just want to be very focused and and try and get better and better at what I do rather than sort of spreading ourselves too thinly and try it you know and churning it out it's not what I'm interested in but it's great to have the products because that means that it works financially to have this approach which I find a lot more fulfilling sort of creatively and I think the work is a lot better for it that's such a great point that that balancing act of the of the revenue that the product side can generate that allows you to have fewer projects, but projects that you really feel you can throw yourself into. And I think that it, in a way is the the silver bullet that, that so many are searching for. And, and we know that the, we know that the interior design side can often be a little draining or or, or 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 take a lot out of us and and as you were alluding to earlier sometimes you say yes to a project that oh, you really shouldn't have and it's going to be several years of yeah. working whether it's whether it's a tough client or whether it's just a difficult project um it's it's just sometimes you you you, you don't even realize how how much it's going to take out of you and so to have that other revenue from the product side that just gives you that that freedom, and then to have your husband as a partner, someone with that just that level of trust, and that 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 somebody that you can that you can count on, and and who can be both a both a sounding board and also somebody who can push back, perhaps no, when, I mean, when necessary. Totally. I mean, it's just it's just like chilled me out no end having John joining the business, and it's made me actually <laughs> it's enabled me to like really enjoy it. Um, but I think also a lot of married people get, you know, they don't, it's also a bit how our relationship is, but a lot of people are married, they can't take it when their partner criticizes them. Um, so it doesn't really, it doesn't work like that for everyone, but it's sort of always how we, our relationship has worked. And then it's just, you know, the same applies when it com comes to 
being in you know working together um in the business it's also great because john would keep giving me these pointers of all these different complicated big things that I should be doing before he joined. And now I can actually just tell him to do it himself. So that was a, that was a huge bonus. He was always had all these like brilliant ideas. You know, so that was, like, was a great idea, yeah. John. You should go and you exactly. should go and build that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I wonder to that point, John, so often when we talk to people who have who are trying to, to scale this product side of an interior design business. What what has proved to be the biggest challenge for you in, in making all of this work? I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's the relationship that the two of you have, so that's a relief. But is it the is it the website and the and the, the tech side of it? Or I mean it... the biggest challenge when I when I came in is that the business was was suddenly changing gears um, and it was doing really well. And we'd built it on a platform, you know, for you know a certain amount of orders. Um, and, and suddenly we were having to deal with a very different type of demand. Um, and I don't think necessarily sort of operationally, logistically, anyone um, had really sort of been really focusing on that yet in the business. And so there were there were a lot of things that we needed to do to improve the sort of supply chain, um, improve the logistics network, uh, and uh, yeah, technically as well with sort of website and ordering um, so much that we wasn't being automated that we should be automating. So that, I guess, was the, is still the main challenge. You know, we, we still work with um, very small artisans who can only make a certain amount of these products. Um, and, and we want to keep that as far as we're, as possible. But, um, you know, it's getting to a stage now where in some some of those cases, we're having to look at our business continuity and and evolve and, you know, perhaps move to, to other suppliers or, you know, dual supply, et cetera. So that I think remains the sort of ongoing challenge is to sort of build a secure foundation because so far um, the growth has just sort of been there um, and we've been very lucky with that. And we haven't had to push that side yet. So it's really just trying to sort out the supply side. Another challenge often with a business that is so much about an individual, in your case, Beata, you and, and social media and marketing wanting more of you all the time, yeah. perhaps far more than you want to, to give or far more time on that than you want to spend, but it does become such an important driver in in the business and and people want to see you and and they want to see you behind the scenes and they want to see you with your children yeah. and they want to see you you making breakfast in the morning and oh the carefree life you're living at 180 <laughs> you know i mean it's like <laughs> you know all of that yeah i mean it's a it's a good point i have been thinking i've sort of i guess now also because of 188 i've been doing sort of a bit more sort of press and, and also we had a hotel opening because like it all kind of just coincided by chance um so there's a lot going on mm. in the last month press wise good question because i've been sort of thinking about that and whether i am spending but, but also if you know if a good publication asks you to do something it, it's you know it is a good idea and you know i, I enjoy it as well but yeah I th I th potentially i am doing a little bit too much of that um it's it's really hard though i think what we what we try to do i think what i mean i i it was during COVID, so i was in the office uh with beata actually um when she released her book and it was a very strange time for the world it was march 2021 so all, gone were all the sort of book tours and things but still i mean genuinely i was sat there for a couple of weeks and beata was just going from interview to interview and uh, you know and, and it was breaking her i mean it was 
it was exhausting um and you have to give so much for yourself you have to be sort of on and and i think we sort of you know we we made a decision then that, that if we're ever going to do pr and press we're just going to do it in pushes so you know you do one when you have a book and then you you know you take it easy and then you, you do one when you're launching a new showroom like 188 and then I, it works a bit much better to sort of just do them in big bunches and then you know kind of take your foot off the gas and go a bit quiet for a few months i don't know it's hard no, no, and it. I mean, it, it's and you're and you're obviously very, very personable and 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 charming, and and so I I get why people want to interview you and and want to 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 spend time, and it's fun to have someone who who seems to be doing something so so different in a in a world where where sometimes uh, a, a lot of a lot of things feel the same, and and so it's it. It's fun um, to to see what you're doing, and 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 great that it is being met with with success, and uh, and and hopefully more and more we'll be seeing a presence in the in the U.S. It's it's been interesting when we when we've spoken to a lot of English designers recently, they they marvel at how much more expensive things are in the states yeah. than than in the U.K. Like having a sofa made in the U.K. Yeah. it's so right, and and so that also just seems like such an opportunity Absolutely. for yeah. you. We were pricing something up for, for a US-based customer yesterday and we, we explored getting some of the pieces made in the US versus the UK and it's, it's I mean, about a third of the price to get it made in the UK. So, you know, might as well ship it over. Really? Yeah, it was yeah. it was nuts. But we find that, well, especially with upholstery, like making it here is just like a quarter of the price of, and they're great, to, you know, the great upholsterers. It's so like shipping it from here yeah. has made a lot more sense when it comes to those pieces um, on our US-based projects. Um, so yeah, you're, there is a big opportunity there for sure. So. You alluded to the fact that you've got a, a a collection that you're that you're working on. You can't quite tell us. I can't. Yet. <laughs> I can't, unfortunately. So, okay, but but timing timing wise, when 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 are we going to see something? After in the autumn, next autumn. Yeah, and then we're in conversations with a couple of brands as well. So we'll see. Um, so okay. yeah, watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> well, so 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 like so licensing is is definitely something that you're yes. moving towards. Uh, uh, yes, a bit, yes. but but carefully, sort okay. of carefully considered, carefully. Uh, and it has to okay. take those boxes where something we couldn't make ourselves, and we feel like we're also adding something to it, so that the combination of us and the person we're doing it with is sort of together create something that neither of us could have done on our own. So I think that's uh, that's quite key to just okay. do something that has a bit of a purpose um, that's uh, new. But but I think important okay. not to do too, too many of those, take it a bit easy, see how it goes and yeah. So so Lulu Lytle from from Sewn, she's she's opened this beautiful space in, yeah, in it looks New York amazing. City. I it know. It's um, pretty spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine? Can you imagine in the in the future a little a little space on uh, Madison Avenue in NYC? Just a little something, uh, something. Uh, little, <laughs> yeah. little apartment upstairs. <laughs> I, I, I can mean, we imagine talk about it. it a lot. I think I think that would be. We're, we're sort of taking a baby step now. We've got a buy appointment showroom. We sort of did that right. very purposefully before opening a shop because we want to feel our way through it and understand how we want to do it. And I think that the next stop will probably be a, a shop in, in London. Um, but then after that, yeah, the US is the, the obvious next spot. I mean, I, th I think Sewn is amazing. I'm a, I mean, huge admirer of what Lulu's done. I also think she's, she's also a, has become a, a close friend over the last few years um, and it's very supportive, but she um, she's really paving the way for, you know, why 
things cost uh, the what they do and 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 craftsmanship behind it all um and i think she's done an incredible job i also think uh you know her collection and her showroom here in london is um so, so she's definitely someone that i mean to me is probably my sort of my just kind of top top person and, and business and brand and i would say i admire the most um i think she's built an incredible business um, I don't think we sort of do exactly the same things, but but it's just uh, I find that very inspiring what she's done. Incredibly inspiring, and I admire it a lot. But um, I mean, personally, I mean, vertically integrating um, a business like that just seems like the most enormous task. I mean, it, and I, that's what I particularly take my hat off to her for because yeah. you know that is a that is it's just a huge amount of work um, and dedication and and love that goes into sort of pursuing that to that. Um, degree and just a huge admiration for that as well as obviously the end product in this beautiful showroom in Madison Avenue. And I think the sort of integrity that she has and sort of keep sticking to that is I mean I'm ne- I've never seen integrity like it. Um, uh, I'm not quite so principled but uh, but it's that, that's <laughs> amazing. I mean I wish I was but it, but that's amazing and very inspiring and sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. inspires me to, to do better and be more like that. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 calling you. It's calling you in a big yeah. way. And uh, yeah, no, no, I can hear and, it. And after, yeah, right? You, I mean, that's not just me. It's not just me. But but as as you say, let, let's 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 do London first and and see how that goes. Yeah. Well, I I'm I'm thrilled to get to spend time with you with you both, and I and I so appreciate you making the time with everything else that you've got going on. But it's but, such a treat. Please come and see us when you're next in London. Will you come come here for for a drink or dinner or lunch or something? Yeah, absolutely. Please do come say hello. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to keep up with the latest design industry news, visit us online at businessofhome.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, browse job listings, and join our BOH Insider community for access to online workshops, a free print subscription, and much more. If you have a note for the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at businessofhome.com. If you're enjoying these conversations, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others to discover the show. This show was produced by Fred Nicolaus and edited by Michael Castaneda. I'm Dennis Scully. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week.